it was great. I had a great time. Uh, the people who I was working with were phenomenal. It was for what they call an activation uh, right, right. At, yeah, at these things. Yeah. Um, I've heard, I've heard of such things in the way that, you know, people at ad agencies are slowly trying to ruin the world. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so that, that is, that is part of why it was quite the experience was there, there are always too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, when these these kind of things happen, but it it ultimately was good because what, what was this thing in activation for? It was so it's for Abbott elementary, the ABC, right? Right. right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The Emmy nominated, uh, ABC Mm -hmm. sitcom. Uh, and it's a phenomenal show. I, I love the show. I've watched it. I've watched, I think like the first 10 episodes and they're great. Uh, it's about like a title one school in, the inner city of Philadelphia and just how I've, I've heard the show's amazing. I've been meaning to, it's on my list to, uh, to get into it. Yeah. I mean, I like, I even despite having almost, uh, like, uh, an intoxicating effect, uh, um, uh, like that I have right now because I can just hear all the voices of all the actors and every like stinger that they put into this activation. Uh, oh, I have God. like, all that burned into my into my brain forever but it was it was really really cool because i got to work with like cool improvisers uh some folks that i know from ucb and then also just uh a, a new person this guy named rohit sharma and he's a brilliantly funny dude and just great um but i they basically talked about me the whole weekend because they know obviously that I'm an F1 fan because I wouldn't shut up about it. But it was also cool because some of the people who were working with me as like brand ambassadors, they were doing like a photo booth thing in the activation itself. And it's a Mm -hmm. couple that lives in Florida and they are Grand Prix fans and also did the, like the photo booth at, I can't remember what race it was. Maybe it was at Coda, uh, but they have, Mm. They've done like photo booths uh, at that where it's like these like 360 photo booths where people go in. Right, right, right. These really cool immersive photo experiences. Uh, But there's a chance that I may be working at the Las Vegas Grand Prix because I was like, hey, if you need an extra set of hands to work that, um, whatever you do there, just let me know. I'm like five hours away. I will get in a car or hop on a 45 minute plane ride to go and work at a grand prix and that would be a, an amazing opportunity so it was like a lot of peripheral stuff was cool but then it's just people you know it's 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 comic-con so people are just really big fans of everything and mm-hmm. there were some really cool outfits oh dude last day we're like heading back to the airbnb after our final show happened and everyone is in cosplay there almost everyone and right before we hopped into that uber none other than the stig walked by and i was like yo what up stig uh (laughs) and everyone was like who is that who what what was that and i was like that's awesome i don't want to like go through the explanation of what that person represents (laughs) right now you've already (laughs) clowned me for talking so much about f1 this weekend i would like after these 10 hour days i would then sneak off and pull up my ipad and pull out my notebook and be like okay i have to watch qualifying and free practice and they were like dude 
we just work 10 hours in the sun, maybe get some sleep. And I was like, yeah, but I, I have an important thing to do. And they're like, this sounds like a job. And I was like, mm, sort of, but it's a, like a truly a job that I, I love. But yeah, it was, it was cool. Got to meet a bunch of cool people. Got to meet some uh, prayer hands here, folks. Uh, hopefully met some of my future bosses in the world of entertainment there. So that was really, really cool. I'll talk to John about that more off mic. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was really, really cool. Uh, but I do have to say it was a bit of a show, a circus filled with clowns even. Um, uh, which was so damn appropriate for this weekend. I mean, just, I think it should be like illegal to paint a clown car, anything other than like the Scarlet Ferrari red, just going forward, every clown car and every circus, every carnival should just have like Ferrari badging on it. I mean, mean, it's usually like a small, like red Fiat anyways, which is, it's effectively, I mean, it's basically what, maybe that's what they should do. Maybe it should actually, they should just change the team (laughs) from Ferrari just to Fiat Formula One and, uh, you know, just only hire drivers that are like seven feet tall to get into the, the classic Fiat and, you know, have their, have their knees under their chin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. With those giant shoes, they could also have the throttle sticking. Um, you know, they yep. couldn't uh, couldn't have the throttle probably back a big, to zero. Probably a big part of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that adds something to do with it. Oh God, just Ooh. what a what a tough weekend for Ferrari. A tough weekend for a couple of teams, but Ferrari definitely came out on top of. How do you think real clowns feel about this? Do you think they're upset and insulted by the way yeah, yeah. that Ferrari is starting to just kind of move in on their yeah. turf? It's like stop stealing like, our thunder. Yeah. Yeah, we listen, we work very hard. We don't have the like, you know, multi 100 million dollar budgets that you guys have. Yeah. Could you please apply your resources to something other than our livelihood that are, yeah. Then making somehow we are a joke as an existence, but you are making our existence even more of a joke. Yeah. It was God, man. I let's get into it. Let's just get into it. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One podcast. Uh, we are a couple of fans here in the U.S. watching this international sport. My name is Corey Willis. I'm an improviser, writer, and comedian. Uh, I'm John Lapore. I'm a creative <laughs> leader working in uh, film, tech, and, and automotive. Um, so, yeah, what did we uh, what did we see at the uh, at the circus this uh. weekend? So the, I mean, how appropriate that it's the French Grand Prix. I mean, the, where, where Comedia, the, uh, the art. Corey, Corey, you are, you are an official scholar of comedy. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Please explain what, what the French Grand Prix has to do. You know, what, what does French history have to do with clowning around? Like, uh, if, 
people are aware of mimes. People are aware of the idea of clowning. Uh, clowning is like has this amazing history in France. Uh, like the art of clowning. Yeah, like the art of clowning. And when people think of clowns, they think of juggling. They think of like those like, Ha-ha. well, you know, the, the silly little horns. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, but they, uh, what, what real clowning is, is performance art. It is, uh, this, this distillation of uh, a very distinct characteristic. And then you just dive really, really deeply into that and people find their own clowns. That's kind of the idea with clowning. Uh, I actually spent a little bit of time in the town of Eton. Uh, which is where uh, one of the most amazing clowning schools exists. Um, so it's uh, it's the Goulier School of Clowning, and it is in the French countryside, uh, not the south of France, but uh, close enough. Um, it is not Paris. It's heading towards the south of France. It's heading towards Paul Ricard. But that is basically clowning is uh, an age-old uh, art form if you think of the jester back in the middle ages, the jester was a clown. The idea is to take the piss out of authority and to speak truth uh, to power. And mm-hmm. I think that Ferrari has done an amazing job of speaking truth to power uh, because they have an amazing power unit, but the truth of it is their strategy is just flawed just across the board, every which way. Uh Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, I think of it as uh, incorporating clown shoes, large oversized clown shoes, into the adage of stepping on your own dick. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's, it is truly amazing. And like the clown shoes also have like the little squeaker things in yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like yeah, makes yeah, a, like You're like, oh, and it makes a really funny sound when you step on your own dick with those giant shoes. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, let's let's just di- like let's dive straight into the 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 clownosphere. Like, let's yeah. go straight into the 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 whole so situation because I think this is the by far the headline of of, of the this week, race. And there's yeah. there's there's layers to it too. There's multi. There's oh, yeah. not just yeah yeah. So I mean, let's where where yeah where the, to begin? Uh, straight out of uh, let's we're going to just acknowledge this and then not to talk too much about qualifying because i think there was so much in the race to focus on but right out of the gate the the news of the weekend was carlos signs starting from the back of the grid he was going mm-hmm. to have to start from the back of the grid uh, i i guess what the issue was with the motor was it was an electronic control unit uh so this is the third version of their ECU that they've had to use this year. And I believe they're only allowed two uh, before they start taking penalties. So quite literally before the summer break, they're already taking penalties for rely- uh, reliability issues. So not a good sign. Uh, but he ended up at the back of the grid no matter what, uh, but showed a ton of power and a ton of performance all throughout free practice and then into qualifying people were like, Oh, well he'll just, he'll start from either 19th or 20th because Kevin Magnuson also had to take an engine uh, penalty, a grid penalty. So it was going to be the two of them at the back of the grid, uh, two Ferrari engines at the back of the grid. And I mean that the idea was signs was just going to sit out for most of qualifying, but then it became apparent that he had the faster of the two cars and they could use the mm-hmm. toe 
to get Charles on pole position. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, and it worked perfectly. I mean, truly perfectly. I think Sainz was putting in like almost a full second faster laps uh, than yep. Verstappen, which is just like, whoa. Um, uh, but then... <laughs> I don't, And I don't remember seeing that kind of teamwork being deployed in a qualifying session before. No, no. It's so wild. Also, um, Kevin Magnuson didn't come out until the like last couple of minutes of qualifying uh, in the first session because there's like this rule where if you don't participate in qualifying, you then have to be granted special permission by the race director and the stewards of that weekend to say, yes, you are actually allowed to be a part of the Grand Prix, even if you didn't participate in qualifying. Mm-hmm. There have just been, there's too much wiggle room that existed. So they were like, hey, yeah. no more sitting out qualifying and then just coming into the Grand Prix. We need you to be a part of the whole process. So Magnuson comes out tail end of that first qualifying session and just destroys the field uh and it was like oh ferrari's engines are working perfectly in this heat their tire deg isn't that bad it seems like they're looking good uh and then let's just fast forward to the the race let's get to the race um i was amazed at how many spots magnuson made up on that first Mm -hmm. lap uh, and then also Alonzo made up a ton of time on that first lap. Uh, Signs was taking it a little bit easy. I think he only got up to like 16th or something like that uh, after the first lap versus Magnuson, who made it to like 12th. Like he like just ripped through the field. Uh, yep. But then the I think the most important person to have focused on from the start of the race, and it was like the clear indicator that there was an un an untapped bit of pace in their car was Lewis Hamilton. I mean, that start was like legendary. I mean, he was ahead of Verstappen uh, by the end of that straight and had to back yeah, off. It was, like, it was, yeah, it was an incredible start from, from Lewis and, and definitely a marker of, uh, you know, we we're going to see some interesting performance unfold. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I can come back to it, but I do still feel like the incredible Mercedes team result mm-hmm. um, was still a little more of just a display of another team's complete implosion uh, yes. on on themselves. Yes, um, yes, and it's it's wild because Mercedes is the most reliable team in the field right now. And yes, yeah, like it, you wouldn't. Th- as as Mercedes fans, we're both like, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's like a badge of honor to to really cling to. But now that we're almost at the summer break, they're if they if if they have even one DNF, if Ferrari has one DNF in Hungary, they will lose second place in the constructors championship to Mercedes at this point, which is just bananas. Like that's. Sh- Oh, why does that speak to Ferrari's ineptitude versus Mercedes' actual competency? It's well, just Corey. There, there's an old adage in <laughs> Formula One, which is to finish first, you must first not be a. F- <laughs> <laughs> 
clown. Yes, not be a clown tripping over their own shoes and mm-hmm. uh, their dick that is now stretched out because they've tripped it over it so many times that it that, has now become a problem. A, a balloon animal. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like not even a fully inflated balloon animal, just one that you yeah, can't no, really. No. Flaccid, flaccid balloon animal. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Too many knots. Yes. The, yes. The, it's actually been deflated and reinflated way too many times and the structural integrity of the latex is just like about yeah. to completely come apart like it may have uh, been a water balloon at one point and people are like i'll empty out the water and put i guess like hot breath in there <laughs> yeah it's not <laughs> i found this sitting on the dashboard of the fiat that was parked in the sun <laughs> for the last two weeks there was a bunch of dust around it and that's not bad right that only means yeah. that it's there's no more moisture in there right um yeah just a, a a tragic tragic display of just the most incompetent strategy and so yeah i mean oh. let's let's just like uh, okay. you know ste- step one you know uh, act one of uh <laughs> the the this the uh the french opera's presentation of scuderia pagliacci yeah uh god so bad. The so we we see basically, uh, you know, Charles is uh, masterfully holding the the front position. Mm-hmm. He's doing beautifully. He's looking comfortable. He's like we get we get a little bit of a tight battle in the opening lap, but he pretty much starts to open up uh, what appears to be a, a comfortable lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then just you know, uh, kind of out there in the front on his own, loses control of the car, tail comes out, goes off track, stuffs it into the wall, and, yeah, and at like that, at a fat. I mean, this was one of those things where, when when the accident happened, everyone was like, "What happened? There must have been some sort of like people don't crash there. You don't. That's not a place where I, I've never seen a car go off uh, at that." at that point in the track uh, so people are like it must be a mechanical issue it must be a reliability issue also we get the <laughs> well he, he he does yeah so so uh, uh we previously had issues with the throttle sticking mm-hmm. uh the first radio message that i heard after his crash was saying uh you know it was something muttered uh, stupid throttle you know yeah, throttle stuck or won't return. Some something about the throttle in like the the heavily accented uh, French monogast <laughs> of yeah. just being like th- throttle stuck, being like, oh no, not again. And you know, then uh, the following radio broadcast, which I think is for me one of the all time greatest uh, radio comms that I've ever heard. Like replayed. I want to. M- as 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 horrible as this sounds, I almost want to make it my ringtone. Um, like it was, it was chilling. It was chilling. Uh, and I was amazed that too, they, like, they were playing. Like, they were they played the whole thing because it's like fifteen seconds long yeah. or something of them saying like, you know, are you okay? And he's like, hey, I'm fine. And then it just was him just breathing in the car and, I, and like he's breathing like you know doing this. <sighs> yeah, <sighs> like and, getting and, angrier. Like you could hear yeah. him. Get, like I was and, like, oh, is he out of breath? Was that? And, oh. and they just they just played that for like uh you know for like. 12 seconds or whatnot. I was like, why what did, did they forget to like, you know, stop playing the radio feed? And then he he lets out 
the most blood curdling scream of no. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's like, it's, it's one of the most genuine <laughs> moments I think I've ever, uh, ever heard, uh, in a, a, that was, that was definitely pure Pavarotti tears coming down the clown. Yes. Makeup. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot to unpack just yeah. with this moment. And I want to talk more about this. Should we, should we get deeper into what, what was happening here? What do we think was going on? Or do we want to talk about the rest of the, the clown performance? I uh, mean, let's work. I think there are so many other awful moments that happened <laughs> that we can't move past this because we'll just forget about it. Uh, and focus right. on. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what else did you see in this moment? All right. So to me, the next thing was a, a probably 10 minutes later in the race, mm-hmm. they played during the race, they played a interview and you could just hear the audio and the audio is kind of blended with some of the track audio. And so yeah. I've actually re I've listened to that interview a couple times now since, but during the race, uh, they played it and it's basically, you know, all right, Charles, what, what happened out there? And he is explaining it. And I was almost a hundred percent certain in that moment that every response that he gave was a very, very carefully delivered. Like there is a problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is keeping us from succeeding and winning the races and getting the championship points that we need. Yeah. And the problem is very frustrating to me. And in that in that moment, I was pretty certain that he was very clearly like I I thought he was like throwing serious shade at his own team and being as direct as could be without saying, like, I can't believe the goddamn team has screwed me again. Yeah. Um, And I will say in listening to it again later, it did sound a little more genuinely like he was trying to admit some fault or own up to it. And I was uh, and and also a lot of the other pundits were like basically saying like, yeah, he's taking accountability. He lost control of the car on his own and whatnot. But there is there's a huge part of me that's still pretty confident that. Uh, there, there was something a mechanical went, issue, a throttle yeah. issue. There was even something if it's going just on. like a blip that where he went to, because at that point of the turn, like I think that Max even said this. He's like, it's weird because at that point of the turn, you're usually trying to preserve your tires, so you're not really on the throttle, and the rear end of the car doesn't come out unless the you're on the throttle a little too much, uh, and that's yeah, and, and it's just such a, a rookie mistake that. A, a world champion like Charles Leclerc or a potential world champion like Charles Leclerc. You just, I, yeah, maybe it was a mental mistake, but I, it's hard to believe him. It's hard to believe that he wasn't. Yeah. And I, and, yeah, and, I, and I think of the, you know, the issue with Ferrari being that they're clearly having some major issues or having yeah. all sorts of different problems. And that part of Ferrari culture obviously would be to say to the 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 drivers themselves, we know we're having issues. We yeah. will work on them. Do not ever publicly complain about our issues. Like exactly. that is, you know, that is a crime against uh the the Catholic Church, if yeah. you were, <laughs> yeah. if you yeah. are to, you know, if you are to make any 
any accusations towards the team, you know, the the Vatican's uh, yeah. team of assassins are going to come after you. Yeah, yeah. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's just seems as though that could be as bad as it as it could get. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I I took it as he was uh, he was doing his best to be a a, a good boy and. Yeah. And even in the moment, even in the moment, I thought it was very clear that he was throwing his own team under the bus. But I was actually quite, quite taken aback that all the other, uh, you know, journalists around F1 kind of came away from it being like, wow, that's really like mature of him to like take all that responsibility on onto yeah. his own shoulders and, and whatnot. I was listening to the international uh, broadcast. So the, the Crofty led commentary. Yeah. And there was even this moment of like, you know, young drivers should look up to Charles for ta- and it was like, what are yeah. you what is happening right now? This feels like everyone is just ignoring the fact that Ferrari has major mechanical and reliability issues and and strategy issues. And this is not even if Charles even if this was a mistake that was made by Charles, even if it was. So let's just say, sure, he screwed up. He didn't you know, he didn't take his foot off the throttle. There was no mechanical issue. There was no nothing. He has had enough reliability and mechanical DNFs that it is still Ferrari's fault. So he could, drivers do make mistakes. Things happen. And the idea is you have so many other things backing them up to be bulletproof that a driver can make a mistake in race and still recover because of the strategy, because of the engine reliability, because of adjustments that can be made because of the team strategy that they can use. But yeah, uh, it did feel like everyone uh, in the F1 uh, like media world just kind of forgot about the fact that Ferrari has had a notorious string of self-imposed failures, like not from anywhere Mm -hmm. outside of the team. Uh, and not even from anywhere outside of uh, the engineering and strategy team. Like the drivers clearly are doing great work, uh, but it was just, yeah, that was that was devastating uh, to, to to hear Charles just own up to it and be like, yeah, I think he's playing the company man thing. Uh, and who knows? There could be. I mean, we we this was discussed when Valtteri left Mercedes. The idea was like, yeah, of course you want to compete with your teammate. Of course you want to do well, but the team can offer you financial incentives that are not on the books that then will allow you to play the team game a little bit more than the individual game. And because there's that like weird shroud of mystery behind that, of like the inner team bonusing that they do, like the driver bonusing structure is just mm-hmm. not, not regulated and not reported on that. You never know what is happening. And I would not put it past Ferrari from being like, Hey, Charles, we are going to pay you half of like a full year's worth of contract for you to just shut the fuck up about our reliability issues. Like keep mm-hmm. your mouth shut so that we can look like the Ferrari of old, uh, which going back through their history, maybe that's like not the best thing. You don't need to put the team before your drivers. I mean, this is it's very different, but this is what Ferrari has always done. They've always put the team above their drivers when it comes to safety, when it comes to reputation. I mean, Charles Leclerc is fighting for his first world championship. The next team, if he leaves Ferrari, if he doesn't win a championship, the next team that brings him on is almost certainly going to look back at this moment in the French Grand Prix and go, 
hey, when the pressure was on, you made a mistake. So your ability to earn is undercut by your dedication to the team or whatever. So it's it's a it's a bad way of doing business in my opinion and I don't think that the media is servicing the sport in any reasonably good way by not calling this stuff out. Um I'll be interested to hear what like some of the the set not second tier uh, if their second tier were like sixteenth tier um, like the second tier like journalists and the people who are who do a lot of this analyzing and look yeah. at actual telemetry like I'm interested to see if they also play this game of well it's uh, a driver error versus a mechanical issue uh, or a reliability or a team issue. Um, yeah, we've okay. Let's move on from this moment because we don't need to just keep. Charles is already he's already dead. We can stop kicking him. Um, it's not even yeah. So it's we don't even, even beating get... a dead horse. It's kicking a horse that is now decomposing. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. Well, I mean, you can't even get that far from this incident because he crashes yeah. into a wall. He triggers safety car safety car coming out creates all sorts of momentum for everyone to head into the pit lane and carlos poised to potentially do very very well in the race at this point he's made it up from effectively last place to like yeah like i was gonna say he was in the top 10 at that point uh when this accident happened which is Again, showing the raw pace of a Ferrari engine that is working perfectly and brand new in the motor pool, like a component that failed has been replaced and a driver like signs has totally destroyed the field. Just, yeah. And so signs goes into the pits and he gets just like the most weak sauce pit stop. I didn't even see a time on it, but it looked like it was like five or six seconds. Yep. Uh, some I like I I watched the replay, and <laughs> this is one of those things that, like, again, you never see in an F one pit stop, let alone from a team like Ferrari or one of these like the top three teams, or even like McLaren or Alpine. You don't see this. The driver has the car lowered off the jacks; it's lowered to the ground, and then the front jack man. Like looked like he came back out to put the yeah. car back up on the jack yeah. stand. He looks like he's gonna try and run it back under there again, like to lift the car back up a second time. Like all I, sorts of uh, to- just total confusion. Yes, just just these guys who have this perfectly orchestrated action look like it's their fifth time ever doing it. Yeah, like they put their gloves on the wrong hands. Like not even like oh they're wearing the wrong shoes. It's like, oh I put my gloves on the wrong hands and the grip that is normally in the pads of the hands is on like the outside. And I just am I'm not yeah. Oh it was one of the guys misunderstood the purpose of the red uh ball clown nose and actually put it in his mouth and was choking on it. And one of the other guys had to check and make sure that he wasn't, you know, he didn't need a Heimlich. But in, instead uh, of that, the way that he tried to check was like, well, let me open up your air passage by taking my red nose off and stuffing it down your throat to see if I can, like, touch yep. another red nose down. Like, it was just nothing. It was it was horrible. So he gets a, a late release from this tragedy of a pit stop and then almost kills, almost kills a McLaren mechanic. Like, I mean, he... Like, oh, wow, that was horrifying. If that mechanic who had that tire and pulled it away from 
Signs' path. If he had been on the outside of that tire, he would have been underneath Signs' car. Like he would have been in Signs' cockpit, like back broken across. Like it was. I was. Oh, I didn't realize how close we came to seeing like a pits. Like, and a who, pit lane. who was? Because well, because it was coming up right behind him was Alex was Albon. Le- yeah, Alex Albon, who they the team wow. through all their confusion forgot to pay attention to a safe departure from the pit lane mm-hmm. and sent him out just as Alex Albon is coming up, which Alex Albon has to lock his brakes. And to he not went like a little him. sideways too in the pit, which yeah. is like, so he went sideways and the angle that the car was sideways was pointed at all of the Ferrari mechanics. Like it was just one of those, like this could have gone so, so bad. Yeah. Uh, we are so lucky and they only got a five second penalty for it. Like that is that. I mean, that is like, so, Oh, yeah. so, so signs who's, uh, delivering hard yes. on his contract for Ferrari, both all season long and particularly during the course of this race, yeah. uh, is through absolutely no fault of his own set up to almost create a tragedy. And as a result gets a five second penalty, the five second penalty can be served in, in different ways. It is not, uh, they, and they call him over the radio and tell him you've got a five second stop and go penalty, which would mean that he has to come into the pits has to stop the car. They count to five. They release the car and they're not allowed to do any work. They're not allowed to change tires, to change tires or, or adjust wings or even and like they, t- they tell him this Carlos. over yeah. the radio and Carlos signs says, well, hold on guys. I, you know, while operating this fighter jet, uh, that flies an inch off the ground, I'm also able to recall from my knowledge of the rule book mm-hmm. that that is not the correct penalty for an unsafe pit release. It would just be a five second penalty, meaning that you could during the race come into the pit and have your tires changed. And while having your tires changed, then do an additional five seconds of waiting or you could just race on however you see mm-hmm. fit. And at the end of the race, they will look at your time and say, now we're going to add five seconds to it. And if that slides you down the order, you know, because there was someone within five seconds of you, that happens. Or, you know, if there wasn't someone five seconds behind you, you know, you so the play- yeah, yeah. Uh, he just in that, in that moment, he, you know, uh, he already, you know, is again, you know, correcting his, his team. Like- it wasn't even, and and the thing was, it wasn't like this moment of like, all right, Carlos, you have a five second stop and go penalty, and then the radio clicks off, and then it clicks back on like a second or two later, before they even finish saying, like before his engineer even finishes saying, you have a five second stop and go penalty. He gets halfway through the word penalty, and Carlos is already coming back, being like, that's not what they said. That's not what they said. Like he so rapidly processed that uh while like you said driving this uh this bomb uh uh this angled <laughs> wingleted bomb with no cockpit um, <laughs> at a, at 200 miles an hour he's still able to process things quicker than an entire team of engineers like that you can't uh yeah that that did not bode well for what then ended up happening um <laughs> 
because we have uh, Magnuson ends up uh, uh, just so Magnuson ends up retiring um, uh, later in the race. So that's another Ferrari that's out of the race, which is like, mm-hmm. oh no, if a Ferrari engine like blew up like a brand new Ferrari engine, some component failed. Like, what does this mean for the next 13 or 14 laps of the race? Um, so we get that. And then who did we have? We had, uh, Oh, Oh, uh, just, I want to go back real quick. Um, there was uh, a moment where, uh, on lap, uh, lap 36, uh, Lance Stroll had his own Kimmy moment. Um, oh, where they yeah. came over the radio and were like, uh, we need you to, uh, I don't even remember what it was. I think it was like something about a gap or no, it was like track limits or something. And he cuts him off and he's like, yes, yes, I know what I'm doing. Uh, and normally I'm like, Hey Lance, don't do that. Don't cut your engineers off, especially because like you're the son of the owner of the team. You're kind of using your privilege and status to work against the best interests of your the hired people uh but he was right like he was in the middle of like a heated battle and ended up scoring points anyway so i'll i'll hold my tongue uh with with the lance stroll reprimand because usually when he says that kind of stuff he ends up finishing like 16th and it's like buddy maybe if you had listened you would have been a little bit higher but uh he was right he was right so shout out to lance stroll uh in this in this moment um but then, yeah, we get uh, we get uh, Zhou Guan Yu. His car ends up uh, tanking. Whatever happened there? Uh, I, do you know what that what that issue was with I his car? I don't know. What, I don't know what happened there. But again, it's another Ferrari engine that, like, yeah. <laughs> so Ugh. I mean, we're just seeing it, that. That's the backstory: is that not just Scuderia Ferrari are having all these problems. But their junior teams, they're the teams that they are supplying their engines to are also having issues and they're not the same issue. So there are like issues all over the place with these power units. Uh, I, I'd be interested to know what it's happened like with the Joe's. Entire, the entire Ferrari family has serious genetic de- de- defects at this yeah. point. It's uh, like maybe they've uh, they oof. haven't. They, they didn't leave the town to find uh, someone to marry. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> um, so <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, they're all just sticking around uh, Marinello a little too tightly. Uh, um, so then we have uh, a virtual safety car uh, is deployed and we have this like incredible moment uh, of, Ferrari being like, we're going with plan D, Carlos, we're going with plan D. And then while he's quite literally fighting for position on fighting for position on track, like fighting for like fourth, I think. Like, right? He was like with Russell maybe or Alonzo. He's he is fighting Perez. Oh, he's fighting Perez. He's fighting the Mexican Minister of Defense. Yes. For for what could easily be converted into a podium position like he would have finished second if yeah yeah and he's i mean doing like literally like he he is doing he is like about to to solve the human genome pro- project yes and his managers are like bursting into the room and are like hey do you remember to fill out your timesheets from three weeks ago <laughs> drop everything you're doing and like you know like at 
Not even from this week, from three weeks ago. Oh, we screwed up with payroll. Can you, uh, we need you to resubmit. Oh, and it just uh, it just astounded me. So, yeah, the team is calling on him to pit while like they're telling him to pit like while he is in the process of duking it out yeah. super, super hard. Yeah. To the point where we hear the radio communication of him, like just be like that, 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 that goes, like was, step, step, shush, shush, shush. I'm, goes, I'm, I'm he said, doing not now. Like, like they're like yeah. box, box. And he's like, not now, not now. Like just fires back with like this, like guys, shut the fuck up. I'm working. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was, oh, so intense. Like, like I have to imagine he's like, guys, 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 turn on, uh, turn your TVs to canal plus and watch the formula one race that's being broadcast. And you'll see yeah. that I'm currently engaged in vicious combat. Yeah. Do with you, <laughs> like, Do you hear the scream of a Ferrari engine passing the pit wall? That's my engine guys. Stop trying to stop me from running it. Like, Oh, uh, it was such, and, and so he he gets and he gets around mm-hmm. Perez. Not an easy thing to do. He no. gets around. It's and it's a it is a it is one of the most exciting battles of this race. Possibly the most exciting battle yeah. that we see unfold on track. And then the moment he gets past, they then take the time to to have another you know uh, radio call out to him. Okay, yeah. now now box. Yeah. Now, now that you have, now that you have, like, now that you've done the job that you needed to do on tires, we didn't expect you to be able to do it on. We want you to come in here so we can like pat you on the head and then send you out um, five spots back in the race. Yeah. Like, I, oh, this I wrote uh, <laughs> signs pits on lap forty three, uh, and I all caps in my notes was like, why? Um, yeah, and the the broadcasters are saying it as it's happening. They're like, "This is not a this is a bad call. This is there's no way like he's got a few laps left. He's not going to have enough time to regain those spots. Certainly not enough and time he, to pass Perez again." And he's again. driving his ass off yeah. as if he's going to be able to hold these tires possibly to the end. Yeah, and I think he probably could have. I mean. Even and with there's that a battle. very good chance that in doing that, he could have also opened up a greater than five second gap to Absolutely. whoever was behind him. I mean, he definitely would have been in between which, Lewis and Max. Which like, even after getting that five second penalty, he could have still been on the podium. And instead, he goes into the pits and the team changes tires. Mm-hmm. And they have him serve in the pits, the five second penalty. Yep. So a 30, so, it was normally it's like a, a pit uh, time of like 30 seconds from the time you peel off track down and, the pit lane yeah. to the time you actually like pass the pit limiter Re- line. And rejoin the race. Yeah. But now he's tacked on an additional two point whatever seconds for the tire change and then an additional five seconds. So now he's almost at 40 seconds with a pit stop that he didn't even need to take. He didn't need to take that. I don't think he did. I mean, maybe obviously we don't know what the tire deg was or where he was uh, with with setup. The engineers, <laughs> I at a normal team, I'd be like, the engineers know more than we do. 
Uh, well, so this was this was the thing. The you know the I saw an interview with him after the race where he was asked like, "Hey, that seemed like a really bad call. Like, mm-hmm. why did you go in?" And he said, "Well, my team they've got all the data in the world to look at and examine, and I just know what I'm seeing here during the race, and yeah. I trust." I, I have the trust in my team that they're making the right decision. And Which, again, you know, I think you know that uh, he is he is thinking to himself like, okay, don't ever listen to these guys yeah. ever again. And I mean, that's got to create such a complicated dynamic within the team where every mm-hmm. every person watching the race from the experts to the casual fans to the Italian press who are absolutely Ooh, vicious yeah. are all saying – you know, over and over again, like the team is, the team is a complete catastrophe. The drivers all like both drivers know what they're doing better than the team knows. Like, and, and what is that going to mean for any future, you know, strategy and communication that's unfolding? So this is the thing that like, that maybe the casual fan doesn't fully like grasp because they haven't watched and they haven't watched what it looks like when a team strategy really does work uh i don't think we've ever seen and i I, even as like a, a a pretty dedicated fan i don't think i've ever seen what we are about to witness in ferrari which is two drivers who are basically having to go rogue on their own strategy calls because what it usually works the way it usually works is the team goes hey guys we know better you just need to sacrifice whatever you're doing and trust in us right um and we're not necessarily saying like we don't care who wins like we are aware of where you are in race strategy and in the world drivers championship race we we get that and we will kind of tailor our strategy decisions and tailor our upgrades to favor someone who has a better chance. These two drivers have co-equal chances at a world driver's championship right now. They also do not trust their team and they are going to be going rogue. So these are two guys who are really going to be out for themselves because they have no other choice. They truly like, and they're going to be out for themselves. And I can't imagine that they haven't had private conversations with each other being like, Hey, so not only is it us against the whole field, it's like us against the team now. Like we need to like look out for ourselves because the team is not looking out for our best interest. But then once you get that like unit of two drivers who are like, okay, we need to look out for ourselves as drivers. They will then look at each other and be like, wait a second, you are also a threat. So it just becomes this really, really dangerous game that Ferrari is playing. And it could play out really in a really ugly way on track and it will play out on like behind closed doors with those teams kind of cannibalizing themselves. I I would not be shocked if there, if in the next few races, if there is not a massive change, we might see a change in leadership at Ferrari. I mean, that would not shock me to put these tragic proportions in in perspective i'll just reiterate that the reason that we call them scuderia pagliacci is because the the opera the the opera best known with luciano pavarotti playing mm-hmm. the role of pagliacci the clown uh that opera ends 
with Pagliacci the clown murdering his wife oh. and uh, the 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 person she's having an affair with, yeah. and, you know, falling to his knees, sobbing his his clown makeup right off of his face. And I feel like that's oh. that's the trajectory that we're on. And you know, all of this is made so much worse by the fact that like it's not like this is it's not like we're talking about um, you know the Alpine team. Or, or even, or even, you know, McLaren, who have, who have been, uh, you know, a huge force in the sport. This is Ferrari. This is the yeah. team, the singular team and brand that personifies everything that Formula One is about. And they have not won a drivers' championship in fifteen years. Yeah. They have not. Uh, it's been fourteen years since they've had a constructors' championship, and. At the start of this season, it's the planets have aligned and they yeah. are perfectly poised to win their first championship in a in a decade and a half. Like they had a, almost they had three quarters of a year to develop their car and work out all these reliability issues. Literally, almost a whole year's worth of development ahead of their main rivals, who were in the middle of a title contention at the end of the season, so they could not focus on developing this year's car, and they've squandered all of that. Like it is all of all of that extra time, all of that extra development uh, data. They're not either. You're they're utilizing it in the exact wrong way, or they're just not utilizing it. Which that can't again that can't for the Tafosi for the Ferrari fandom they'll be there they want to see Ferrari do well but they're also the most critical the Italian press is very critical the Tafosi if you do not show up as a Ferrari driver and do them proud they will not appreciate and respect you and all the work that Charles has done all the work that Carlos has done they'll you'll they'll look back on them and be like oh well you know those were middling ferrari drivers and like we're witnessing brilliance with these guys truly but the the team is just absolutely letting them down it's it's i mean it's tragic there's no other there's truly there's, no other way to put it than it's yeah. like this is a tragedy it is it is absolutely it is super Pagliacci yeah tragedy all the way it's like as if michael bay directed the Pagliacci movie like it's just yeah. like yeah. needlessly yeah like it's it's obnoxious levels of tragedy it's like in the way yeah. that the 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 joker movie also about a clown was just like so <laughs> ridiculously dark just for the sake of being dark like, like darkly that movie lit was and like, like not yeah, yeah yeah it was darkly lit it was yep. like they were like hey you you like dark stuff well guess what we're in this movie the guy who's a clown you're going to see him give his crazy mom a bath how's that for dark yeah. that's <laughs> Is that dark enough for you? And it's just like, all right, guys, I get it. I get it. You're trying to make it dark. Okay. Like, yeah. Chill out a little bit. Yeah. This is, this is too much tragedy for one, for one team. And yeah. yeah you, you have to wonder what it's like. Is there going to be some sort of catastrophic explosive breaking point? All right. Uh, th that's enough. Uh, that's enough uh, clown. Uh, yeah, I've got. Yeah, I feel like I've got clown makeup now all over everything. Like it's just you yeah, can't, you can't like, get it off. It stains. It's on it's the, like yeah, it's on the microphone. It's, it's on, on the microphone. My, I like go to wipe my, my webcam ass lens. Later. You know, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna wipe my ass later, and I'm like, how did clown makeup get in my ass crack? Like, there's no. <laughs> this is never. 
Ugh. I accidentally, uh, yeah, I was pouring myself a cup of coffee this morning. I accidentally put clown makeup in it instead of creamer. It was, uh, oh, it was really, it was really bitter and chalky tasting. Yeah. Uh, I, know, yeah. I got to the bottom and there was like a, a, just like the most sopping wet red nose in there. And it was just, mm-hmm. ugh, it was like congealed clown makeup on the inside of it. Cause someone didn't wash it after they had it on their nose from the last time they were doing their show. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's too much. Ferrari needs to like just I don't I don't even know what they can do at this point. I really don't. Like hands off means that they let their drivers duke it out and cannibalize each other. If they keep trying to apply pressure, they're also going to push their drivers further away and they're not going to listen to them during the races. I, I genuinely don't know what Ferrari can do right now going into the summer break as a rec- like I don't know. I don't know what they can do. Genuinely, I know. Do, do you? Not that we're like brilliant strategists, but like, can you think I of think anything? Got, I think we've got one more. We've got one more race to see unfold, mm-hmm. and then and then we hit because uh, we're going to Hungaro uh, Ring. Yeah, the Hungaro next. Ring next. Yeah, and if they're if they can't have a normal race there, then yeah, I can only imagine what happens when the month long. summer break comes the problem here is that ferrari having a normal race is them absolutely having at least one car not finish and yeah definitely making the other car that finishes (laughs) finish in like the most difficult like horrifically anxiety inducing way like it's just not if they can just keep all the clown makeup in the drawer and like yeah. shut it without it also making like a loud squeaking noise as the, yeah. as the drawer like, shuts they like shut you the know, drawer the, the horn uh yeah they yeah they shut the drawer and like there's like uh powder inside the horn and like it like <laughs> squeezes it and like bursts up into their face um, <laughs> yeah it's just yeah, what a what a nightmare. Uh, all, right, all right, so well, I'm gonna say I for one hope it continues because I love all these clown analogies. It it's, is, yeah, uh, and they're they, they seem like we've exhausted them every week, and then it's like, oh no, there are more. There are so many more. Um, so thank you for that, Ferrari. I guess, but also, come on, be, come on, let's 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 look after your drivers and give them a give them a fighting chance. Uh, to at least be second in the constructors at this point. Because if, again, Mercedes is going to eclipse them and Ferrari already has done the thing where they're like, oh, we're not in the lead or we're not really fighting for a world world constructors championship. So that gives us more development time in the off season. And that gives us more wind tunnel time. Folks, we just saw them get the most wind tunnel time and the most development time they could have possibly had. So I can't imagine that like that is going to help them going forward. Uh, All right. Well, next up we've got George, George and Perez. Uh, I mean, I, like watching George get scrappy, but I don't like listening to him sound as though he's complaining over the radio. Like he sounds mm-hmm. like he's whining about other people's behaviors. And th- this isn't just from this race. This has happened a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a recurring thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a maturity thing. And I think maybe that's a, a one of the reasons why it's so good to have Lewis as his co-driver, uh, not co-driver, but as his teammate so that he can watch the way Lewis has shaped himself as one of these elite drivers. Cause George will win a championship. If he has a good car, he will win a championship. 
I, I firmly believe that. And he will develop and mature as a driver. And I think it's good to watch Lewis. And he has watched Lewis. Lewis is one of his literal idols in the sport. Like he's watched him since he was a kid. So he's watched Lewis grow as a driver. And I think once he catches up to that maturity level and that level of understanding of like, hey, when I complain to my engineers and they come back and say, hey, we just need you to get your head down and get out there and, and make moves on track, then mm-hmm. I need to listen to that. If my team principal has to come over the radio and say it once, then I really need to listen to it. If my team principal has to come back on the radio a second time, like, dude, you need to shut the fuck up and just drive your car. Like, you shut up dude uh do your job and stop whining um so yeah can can you just elaborate on on that the fact that that toto the team principal was getting on the radio to communicate to 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 russell during the race how how unusual is that it's the most unusual i mean aside from i think that maybe we've kind of gotten a little more used to it because uh christian horner ends up on the radio talking to max a little more often than is normal. But if you listen to every other radio communication, the team principal does not speak to the driver. The team principal is in charge of the entire team. They have people to manage people under them. So you've got them with technical directors who then help to manage the actual engineers. And then the engineers have a person who represents them so that they can talk to the driver. So the whole idea here is you only want one person communicating with the driver while that car is in the middle of the race because everything else people are removed people don't have the information and it's a distraction to the driver so the Mm -hmm. fact that the team principal felt it was necessary to skip the line of the race engineer or even the technical director to get on the horn and be like george i let me there's only I, I only want to say this once and I want to make sure that there's enough gravity to this, that it settles in. So it's going to come straight from me. Yeah. It's like if you're, if oh. you work for, let's say if you worked for, um, for Microsoft, um, it would be <laughs> like Bill Gates calling you in the middle of a project that you're working on and being like, Hey, I just need you to keep your head down and do good work. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Gates never should have. Y- he shouldn't he shouldn't even i mean this is a, a bit hyperbolic but bill gates shouldn't know who his workers are who are like code monkeys like he should not be talking to these people he should not have any interaction maybe at like a holiday party but like never during the work day that is not how this works so the fact that like you've got the boss the one who not only owns the team but is also toto is like a a major stakeholder in the sport of f1 itself like he's not just the boss of mercedes he's the boss of a lot of stuff uh and he should not ever be on that radio communicating with you during a race the only time he comes on that radio is after the race is done in congratulations or as we've heard toto get on the horn with lewis after a race when the car hasn't performed saying hey lewis i know that you've worked your butt off and we just let you down. Um, Hang in there. We're going to do everything we can to give you the car that you need to win this race. That's the only time any, any principal should be talking to their driver uh, while their helmet is on and they're driving around the cars after that checkered flag has gone. So the fact that he's doing this not only during the race, but while 
George is less than a second behind someone on track that he, I mean, we all saw it. Uh, regardless of the rules, you did not give Sergio the space. You sent him off the track. You caused him to have avoiding action. <sighs> Come on, dude. You got to shut up and do your job. Uh, and then, of course, he shuts up, does his job, and ends up on the podium. So it's like, dude, all that communication just made you look like a spoiled little brat. I mean, and no offense to George. I mean, whatever. George is never going to listen to this or care if someone is like, stop being a whiny little baby. But like, as someone who wants to really support him and is looking to support him going forward, uh, especially after Lewis retires, like I'm probably going to continue to support George because I think he's a great driver and I like his spirit and I like the way that he conducts himself uh, off the track. I need him to show up on track the way that he shows up off track, which is like well-respected, tightened up, like keeping yeah. his wits about him. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> All of that is to say, George, shut the fuck up and drive your car. <laughs> drive, please. Uh, no. But um, yeah. What? What? <laughs> so we've we've got that. Uh, then, <laughs> um, Leclerc uh, taking all of the blame. That was when like the radio communication came on, and also there was a thing where I believe Rachel. I, I can't remember what her last name is. Uh, but she was the one who was doing that like mid race interview and she was like leading him to be like, Hey, so like, do you need to talk to a psychologist? Is like, there are like a problem with like your mental yeah. stamina. And Charles was just like, it was a mistake. I made a mistake in a race. I do not need to speak to a psychologist. I do not need coaching. Um, I made a mistake in the race. And even if you took that at face value, yeah, like let him, like, we don't need to, like hold hands with these drivers and be like, so our mental health is important. I think this new generation has done enough work and is not scared of being like, yeah, this is the hardest job in the world. I get paid so much money and I am risking my life every week. Like, I think we're at the point where these drivers are all like, yeah, maybe it's good to talk to someone who's really smart and knows how brains work in order to make my brain work as well as my body does. Yeah. yeah, I think, uh, you know, and I, and I think that's a, that's another thing. Like I, I did see again, some of the commentary around Charles statement, like just being like, wow, he's like, it's like, he's really anticipating the fact that they're going to ask him yeah. about what's really going on. And he seems very, you know, emotionally prepared to just give them the truth and whatnot. And I feel like that's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like the, this is the, this is the post Bernie era of formula one. And that's a, that's a big factor of it, you know? And, yeah. and again, I mean, during that Bernie era, the drivers were uh, practically mute, you know, there mm -hmm. was very little information or any actual emotion that would come out of them in yeah. any way, shape or form. And, and if, and if there was, it was, um, you know, incredibly frowned upon. So I, I, I do appreciate that we're seeing even, even with that said, they're like they came on i think uh i don't remember which commentator it was who came on but they were like uh charles has been getting advice and coaching from jacques claire who is a former ferrari driver like he's got someone who is like helping him sort out what it's like to be a world champion for the first time and the pressure that comes with that like jacques claire has gone through that in a very similar way uh as like a french 
Ferrari driver. I know, mm-hmm. you know, we've got uh, Charles is Monegas, but that's a French principality. Like it's another French driver who's driving for Ferrari, who's fighting for his first world title. This has happened before. So he's got someone who has, and Jacques Claire has a pretty similar disposition uh, to Charles. Like he's like very nice, warm, but like a little bit reserved and a little bit proud. And it's like, I think he's got every tool available to him that he needs, except for a reliable car and a reliable strategy team. Like those are, that's the shortfall. Uh, I don't think it's in Leclerc's abilities or mental stamina um, uh, or, or, or the fact that he wants this championship like too much in quotes, you know, everyone wants mm-hmm. their first world championship uh, t- a little too much. That's why we saw Max behave the way that he did last year when he had a chance, when he had a real chance at the world driver's championship, he drove against Lewis in a very different way uh, than he drove. than he's driving against Charles because he wanted that world championship. So we're going to see drivers behave differently when they're on the cusp, but I don't think that it does any service to us as fans to have this like weird muddying of like what's really going on here. Um, especially because they're the pendulum swinging the other direction from the Bernie era. Like, I don't think, yep. I, I think we all get it. Um, so, all right. So for me from this point, like kind of, you know, the, the race, the race ended, there was, uh, you know, max, uh, pretty casually walks away with the victory. Um, was there any other key action or defining moments for you as, as the race continued to unfold? Oh God. Yes. Uh, the last couple of laps there with George, uh, behind Sergio on that Mm. virtual safety car, they were like watching like lag back. So the way that the virtual safety cars work, uh, um, you have to be basically you have to reduce your throttle input by 40% when that flag goes when that virtual safety car is thrown every driver has to reduce their throttle by 40% over the duration of the entire virtual safety car so basically now is it li- is it limited for them like it's no, it's no this is you have to you have to control it yourself yeah so i'm uh, i'm assuming that a race engineer will come on and be like your 40% is at this mile per hour or like these yep. are like the 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 speed trap times that you need to meet in order to stay within that 40%. So George does something I've never seen anybody do during the virtual safety car uh, uh, period, uh, which you kind of see in the pit lane. When you see people coming into the pit lane and stomping on their brakes, it's because the average time of the pit lane needs to be a certain amount of miles per mm. hour. Same with the virtual safety car. It's an average time. So you can be going five miles an hour uh, for the first little bit of that virtual safety car. And all you have to do is make sure that you don't exceed that 40% by the time the race restarts. So George trundles along, leaves a ton of space between him and Sergio. And people are like, oh, I think maybe George might have an issue with his car. There may be like engine issues. But then he closes up on Perez right before the virtual safety car ends and torches him. I mean, just I've never seen a move happen that quickly off of the end of a yellow flag. Like it was it was brilliant. I mean, so 
I saw oh. some follow-up discussion and he I mean it it looked like he just caught him straight up sleeping yeah. at the at the wheel. Yeah, and Perez so, was like warming his tires up still uh because he didn't yeah. know that George was coming around that final turn. Like, oh so I saw some mention that Perez uh was actually following up and saying that he was he was instructed that the the virtual safety car would actually be finishing at a different area of the track. Oh, and so he no. was he was very literally like misled and completely caught off guard Ooh, on that. That is definitely um, on Red Bull. That's Red yeah, Bull. That's pretty, pretty rough. Because uh, I mean, he yeah, he he just it was like the easiest pass that George Russell ever made in his entire career. It like, looked like uh, it looked like it was like one of those like uh, during like free practice or qualifying where someone's like, oh, the person behind me is on a hot lap. I'm going to move out of the way and let them go by. Like that's what it looked like he was doing. Uh, but it was for a podium position. That uh, yeah, that was. That was that blew my mind and it got me really, really excited because I was like, oh, look at George showing up and really like using racecraft as a real tool against a car that is far superior to his. Uh, again, this is why I'm a big fan of George Russell. I think that he he has that brain that he knows what tools to deploy and when to deploy them. Uh, and that is Max Verstappen is is someone who does that very, very well. Fernando Alonso is someone who does that extremely well. Um, oh, to back up there, did you hear the radio communication with Alonso when they were like, hey, uh, just so you know, uh, Lando Norris is 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 gaining behind you, the, the, the time to the rear car. And Alonso comes back on the radio and goes, I'm trying to keep him close. It will ruin his tires. And that's exactly what happened. And he amazing. backed up both McLaren. amazing. And then Ocon got by those McLarens. So, like, Alonzo played a team game. Like, I, he's so good for the sport. Uh, he's such a bastard sometimes, but, like, he's so good for the sport using every tool available to him at exactly the right moment. And I love that he's just leaning into his bastardosity you know yeah. like he's he's it's just beautiful. like oh yeah this will really <laughs> this will this will frustrate the hell out of uh whoever's behind me it's like that and, like uh it's like uh I, I worked as you know i worked in bars for a really long time and it was like watching the like the old man at the bar like get bumped by people enough times to be like okay i'm gonna finish my drink first I'm going to finish my drink first uh, before I turn around and sock this dude right in his mouth um, because he's now like realizing he's bumping into me and it's like, oh, you're bumping into the old man at the bar and he keeps spilling his drink. Well, when he finishes that uh, <laughs> that gentleman's jack and puts it down, he's going to swing on you like the thunder of the gods. And that's what we're watching Fernando do is just be like, oh, you have a better car than me? I have a better strategy and I have more experience and I know how races work. Uh, oh, you have, um, <laughs> you have better tires than me. Well, I will just force you to use your tires until they're worse than mine. And then I will take off down the road. I mean, it, it, just brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, massive, massive shout out to Fernando for doing what he's so good at doing. And I hope he continues to do. Uh, it's just great. Um, yeah, that that pretty much 
wraps up the race for me. That was so we got who uh, Verstappen, Hamilton, Russell, Perez, Signs finished in fifth uh, ahead of Alonso, and then we had Norris, Ocon. Uh, then who else did we? Have? Danny Rick. Danny Rick got some points again. Yep. Um, yep. Back to back McLaren scoring, uh, doing some double point scoring. So that's really good for them versus Alpine, uh, except Ricardo finished behind Ocon uh, and Alonso. So Alpine still got a double points that ended up, you know, exceeding uh, McLaren's, but they're still in that midfield race with them. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm delighted to see what happens, uh, especially after the summer break, because Danny Ricardo almost always comes back. Like for the past few years, he's come back so strong after the summer break. Uh, I'm really excited to see that. Um, yeah. Any, anything else from the race? Any even like post race or, or, or analysis that you saw? No, I mean, for me, it's really just that, like, you know, awesome to see two Mercedes on the podium. And yeah. I think everybody's super optimistic. And to me, it's still like a crazy thing to see, like, Hamilton getting second place and, like, he's like pulling off to the side of the track to wave to yeah. the fans because it's like the the biggest achievement of the entire season. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is still kind of depressing to me. And, and I think it's worth, <laughs> still worth stating that, like, was only possible because you know the the clowns literally got their balloon animals tied around their ankles and tripped over each other yeah. and uh yeah you know it's uh heard, heard the, the honking of their noses hitting the pavement exactly uh, yeah yeah you know. exactly yeah <laughs> oh god ferrari you really you're, so <sighs> so uh you know as a as a piece of uh entertainment um the race uh how would you rank the race on a scale of one to ten with uh uh, one being like a disgusty alcoholic crusty the clown and mm. 10 being uh let's see uh you, you might know that who's who's like the pinnacle of quality clowning uh i would say john c Riley is the pinnacle ah, of quality clowning ah. That's huh. that's who I would say. Wow, I, I view him as w- one of the most brilliant clowns uh, out there. A modern day clown. Yes, yes. I um, have to reframe my my expectation, but yeah, I'm I'm fully with you, John C. Riley. Yeah, I love just it. dynamic. Can figure out everything. Uh, can play the goofy, um, no no nothing stepbrother, but can also play like the most like dedicated, dramatic, serious, heartfelt moments as well. Um, so on that scale between Krusty the Clown and John C. Riley, uh, let's go. Uh, hmm. I'd say that this, huh? Okay. So maybe this is a little, this might be a little deep cut, but for those of us who uh, are Simpsons fans, I'm going to say that this race was Homer playing Krusty the Clown. Okay. Okay. So this is like a, a true, like a buffoon who doesn't know <laughs> that he's a buffoon, but is like trying so hard and still puts on a, an amazing show. Um, even though there are moments in it where you're like, oh, does this guy even know what he's doing? Does this race even know what it is? Uh, and then I think the race galvanized itself and was like, yes, I can do the loop-de-loop on the tiny little bike uh, in front of these The loop-de-loop on the tiny little bike that uh, his head collides with a row of hanging wine glasses, which 
perfectly play the theme to the Godfather, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep, in front of Fat uh, Tony to, and the rest of the mobsters. To, yeah, to roll in. So yeah, it's a particularly uh, Italian American clown uh, performance, yeah. if uh, if you will. Um, well, and all right, okay. I think so. That 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 goes with this because this is the French Grand Prix. This may be the last French Grand Prix we see for a couple of years, and a lot of people have been saying. Other than last year, other than, you know, Lewis and Max trading places uh, in those last couple of laps last year, we have not had an exciting French Grand Prix in almost 10 years. Uh, It's pretty procedural. The person who ends up getting first ends up usually (laughs) that's the running order uh, of, of, of the whole race. So, yeah, I think it's that like last bit of desperation where we wanted an exciting race, but instead we got a race that was exciting in ways we never imagined it would be exciting. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Much like Homer's uh, uh, delicate execution of the, the loop de loop on the, on what is it like the, the bike with like quarters for wheels or something. It's like absurd. Yeah, like miniature tricycle or, yeah, or something yeah. to that effect. Which uh, the miniature tricycle also represents Ferrari. Um, just fully just a car true. that just can't like for all intents and purposes, it should perform exactly how it should, but they just haven't built the car for the thing that it's performing in. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. I mean, brilliant qualifying car but like a grand prix car mm, not really um mm-hmm. not really but yeah that's that's what i feel as far as the I'll, accessibility scale what do, what do you think i'll uh i'll classify the race as a uh as a, like a, a solid ronald mcdonald or a i think that's like a a seven and a half on the scale i was i was going back and forth between bozo or maybe even john wayne gacy but uh <laughs> Uh, you know, I think, I think Ronald McDonald is, uh, is a quality like 7.5, yeah. uh, crispy French fries, entertaining at antics. Yeah. Uh, I thought the, I thought the race was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was entertaining. It had, it had the, the tragic components to it, which, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do, uh, I suppose I take a little bit of delight in just any, in anything. I mean, I really, I really did enjoy hearing, Charles Leclerc's radio message like that to me elevated the whole race by like two points. Yeah, right there. Yeah, uh, and I, I feel like terrible. A five I seven point five. Yeah, f- yeah. Feel absolutely terrible uh, uh, for for him and about everything that's that's unfolding. But uh, I I like I like just seeing the pot stirred up, and mm-hmm. uh, that was that was a great great indicator of it for uh, for me. Yeah. Um, Corey did uh, did Formula One stock in the United States go up this week? I think so. Uh, I think that it did go up um, because this was a very recognizable situation. We are experiencing yep. a bit of a heat wave here in the U.S. Uh, oh, yeah. And there was uh, a heat wave in the south of France. Um, uh, I think seeing a race that was so potentially unamusing but ended up being as amusing as I've seen at that track uh, in the time that I've been really following this race, uh, mm-hmm. I think that it the stock did go up. The, the stock definitely went up. As far as one of the reasons maybe a casual fan would appreciate this is that scream, is the, the Charles Leclerc scream. Um, I think here in the U.S., we're really, really good at bottling up our rage 
and then having like a big, big angry scream at the world having a, and having ourselves. A, having a crazy Long Island bagel store meltdown. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. In front of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, that, that that is that like plucks think, the perfect heartstring of the American fan base here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, that's great. That's great. I fully, <laughs> fully agree. I think that's. I, I don't think you could have put it better. That's. Uh, that's about as American as anything. Yeah, right there. Yeah, just that's, a rage-filled uh, scream while you're driving on a very hot uh, bit of asphalt um, after yep. you yourself have caused uh, your own uh, demise. Uh, but also, yep. it could have been the manufacturer because the manufacturer doesn't really care about you either. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Where can the folks find you out there, Johnny, in the world uh, online? Where 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 can they track you down? Um, probably the most active on uh, Twitter. Hit me up there anytime. Uh, my handle's Johnny Motion. Corey, where can the folks find you in the world? Same here. I'm pretty dang active on Twitter. Uh, the handle is Burn Corey Burn, and you can also check out the UCB website because there are more classes going up. Uh, I may be teaching some more soon. Um, nice. Also, uh, it's going to be happening in a couple of weeks. So I'll give a little more details about it, but I will be performing uh, at the Wasatch Improv Festival in Utah. So that's outside of Salt Lake City uh, up in Logan, I believe is the town. Uh, that's going to be happening the second week in August. I'll have some more definitive dates and times uh but i'll be traveling out there with with some of my some of my friends to do some improv uh so i'll 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 drop a link out there on my twitter at some point but folks i think we've all thoroughly enjoyed the catastrophe the the circus that was the french grand prix um and uh we're gonna have to catch up with you the next time from the Hungaro ring, uh, best racetrack name ever, that's by the way. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. So cool that like the Austrian grand prix is called the red bull ring. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, now we should just call this. Like we should call it what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Hungaro ring. So badass. Um, yeah, we'll see. We will see, but folks catch up with, uh, I have marbles in my mouth. I've been, I've spent the like almost the past 30 hours talking to people very specifically about things uh, <laughs> having to do with like funding underprivileged schools. So I have marbles in my mouth. Uh, but I'll nail it this time. Folks, catch up with us the next time on the F1 files. Damn, dude. I nailed that shit. Boo! <laughs>